We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, it is a Tuesday. Typically, uh, the Sooner Sports Podcast live, game plan live. Uh, but we get to chill a little bit today, Toby. We don't have to dress up, well, until later for you. It's nice. It's kind of like getting back to our roots for the podcast on a bye week, isn't it? I think it's important, Chris, every once in a while for everyone to get back to their roots <laughs> so that we, you know, you got to stay grounded, you know? That's right. That's right. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, we're getting back to our roots today. How are you, Chris? I think there's a part of me that's still kind of recovering from Saturday. I know it's Tuesday and it's 11.32 a.m. as we tape this, but I honestly think there's a part of me. We didn't drop a pod yesterday, uh, but I I feel like I'm still recovering right now. That was exhausting and awesome all at the same time and confusing, too. Um, I, yeah, I I can't, still haven't yet untangled everything we witnessed. (laughs) (laughs) Over four hours and 45 minutes on Saturday. But I sure know it was a lot of fun. And um, I apologize to everyone for um, having to look at that dadgum video that they sent out. <laughs> Which was awesome. Hours. No, man. I We got to get those cameras out of the booth. I'm such an idiot on those things. I, what do you know? But it was fun. We had a good time. And it was a... Uh, a great victory. Uh, it almost got away from them, and that would have been a devastating defeat. But the fact that they were able to pull it out, I'm excited to see what that does for this team going forward. Me too. Me too. Was it, you know, for a young team that's still learning, was it their moment? And now from that perspective, we continue to see some struggles? Or does it launch them to another level? Because, yeah, I know you need help. There's three undefeated teams ahead of you. 
But, Toby, I'm still of the firm belief I'm not making plans for December 19th. You know, I'm not planning on going out of town or anything. I think this team, based on what we've seen, still has a chance to go out and compete for a Big 12 championship. Totally agree. Uh, They'll be favored in every game they play the rest of the way. Not that that means anything, but they're certainly – that means. And if this could serve as a springboard for them – you know, for Spencer Rattler, the way he played in overtime, under pressure, does that give him confidence going forward? The the defense, you know, had a tremendous day for three and a half quarters and then got a couple of stops when they had to have him in overtime. Does that give him confidence? And then they need some help, but not much help. I mean, they – there's a long ways to go and all those teams in front of them have to play each other and Oklahoma still gets to play Oklahoma state. So, you know, they went out, there's a 75, 80% chance they're going to be in that game. So it's just a matter of going and taking care of what's next. And uh, what's next for them is another tough game down in Fort Worth. You know, yeah, that's a great point. And we get some time to kind of marinate in this. I, I just saw Mike Brooks drop this note which will come as no surprise to you. But Saturday was the longest game in Sooner history, four hours and 43 minutes. It was 27 minutes longer than the previous longest game, which was OSU in 2017. Oklahoma won that game uh, 62-52, but it didn't need four overtimes. It's just there's so many things to try to unpack from that game. So let's since you brought it up, let's start with the overtime you know, I thought it was fitting that Stoops, Drake Stoops is the guy that drops the dagger on an unbelievable throw from Spencer Rattler. Austin Stogner goes up and makes a play after, you know, I guess, I don't know if you want to describe it as, as a drop on the third down call. but And then, you know, the, the money catch by Theo Wees on the two-point conversion. I know I'm not necessarily going in the order with which they happen, but offensively that overtime was really something pretty special to see Spencer shake off two tough drives to wrap the game up where they were trying to kill clock and then just go out and, and kind of flip the switch again. Yeah, uh, that that was the impressive part is, you know, what they did in the third quarter was strong. Uh, to take a two-touchdown lead, to have a 17-play drive, and then they kind of turned off the machine for a while. And I think there is some second-guessing that will be taking place there, but the offense – took its foot off the gas for about 45 minutes of real time before they were asked to try to punch it again in overtime down a touchdown at that point. So that was a lot of pressure. I mean, Texas had scored 21 straight. OU hadn't even really tried to rev the offense in a long time, and they had to go answer. And on top of that, they faced a third and long and made the play to Stogner. So they, they got themselves off, up off the mat once. And then they faced in the second overtime a fourth and goal and punched it in. High-pressure situation. And then after the missed kick, when again the, moto, the, uh, the mojo has gone to the other sideline, they answer again with back-to-back just absolute dimes from Rattler to Stoops and Weiss. I'm not so sure the Theo Weiss pass isn't the best pass he threw all day on the two-point conversion. So 
that's a lot of clutch and to do it over and over again with young kids in high pressure situations. I mean, this is OU Texas. And if they lose that game, it's devastating. Um, I don't think that can do anything but give them a tremendous boost going forward. And I think they found out some things about themselves. I think they found out TJ Pledger's a frontline running back. I think they found out that Theo Weiss might be the guy at wide receiver. I mean, he made some tough catches. Uh, 1A to Austin Stogner, who is on the brink of emerging as a star tight end in America. So I think they found out some things about about themselves Saturday, in addition to winning a tough football game. Yeah, and then on the defensive side of things, and yeah, we, we get the opportunity to talk to one of the greatest defensive players in Oklahoma football history every week. But I, I thought you saw some things from Perrion Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas. Yes, it's frustrating that Texas was able to come back in that fourth quarter, but this, that's a good team too. And Lincoln Riley brought it up. You know, that's a good quarterback and Sam Ellinger, but – Seeing those young guys out there defensively, ah, I love I love seeing Woody Washington make a play. And then you have the vet, Trey Brown, step up and make a play. There's, there's a lot to be excited about. Even though there is frustrations over the comeback, I get that. But, Toby, to me, the good outweighs the bad with this defense. I totally agree. Significant improvement from the Iowa State game across the board. They got – well, they racked up six sacks – uh, Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas were fantastic. Um, and then they got a lot of help, too, from some other guys up front. I think Josh Ellison is kind of coming into his own up front as yes. a guy who makes plays. Um, we saw more David Aguebu than we've seen all year, and he was a, a difference maker, and he blocked a punt. Uh, and then on the back end, they did a really nice job covering. They're still getting a few too many penalties, but – Texas did not have anybody running open free. Um, you know, they they played 10 guys back there, and so they got a lot of film. They got a lot of tape on, uh, on these guys going forward for Woody Washington to make that play. I mean, that was a big-time pick. For him to make that play has to not only give him some confidence, but the coaches some confidence in him going forward. So – no, I think across the board, and I know they gave up the lead, but that that was a tough spot, and I wish they hadn't. But then when they got pressed in overtime, again, they got the stop in the third overtime to force the field goal and then got the pick to finish it off in the fourth. So uh, you're talking about the number one offense in America coming into that game and Texas averaging 51 points a game. There's room for improvement with the OU defense still. A lot of room for improvement. But they made a lot lot of improvement from game three to game four, I thought. Man, and and you mentioned still trying to unpack some things. I know that it's kind of been a, a running gag for a couple of days to where about every every two minutes, Toby, on your local show, you'll get a text or a call about the extra time that Texas got. The Big 12 addressed that today. And, you know, that that's a major conversation if – the Sooners lose, but again, they, they won the game. A lot of questions still about Ronnie Perkins. We'll see what happens going forward, but to me, the biggest thing that came out of the OU Texas game is is what Lincoln Riley told us in the post game. The team could have tapped out when they went to overtime. It happened to Texas Tech whenever they got punched in the face against Texas, and with the way things have gone so far this year for Oklahoma, they could have easily said, oh man, we're going to overtime. 
we, we can't stop when this is done. And they didn't. They bowed their neck. They overcame a missed field goal, and they still won the game. To me, that's that's the big takeaway. They showed they showed some intestinal yeah. fortitude. They showed some guts, and I loved it. Yeah. No, they did. They did. They showed toughness, and that's another uh, hot word that was thrown around early in the season with this team, and justifiably so. You know, just how tough are they when they're giving up fourth quarter leads to Kansas State and Iowa State? And you were thinking that again, no doubt, on Saturday with Texas. Yeah. But it took some square jawedness to uh, to suck it up and win that game because when it went into overtime, you couldn't have found a whole lot of people on either side of that Cotton Bowl or watching on TV that thought Oklahoma was going to win that game because Texas had a boatload of momentum. And then they get the ball first and score in overtime. And you're like, man, I mean, this is done. This is not going to happen. And they found a way to win that football game. So um, that's the most important thing. Now, you got things you got to get better at. This is far from a finished project, a project, a product. Um, they got to continue to tackle better. They got to continue to get more pressure on on quarterbacks. They got to continue to not drop passes. Spencer Rattler's got to get better at not making crucial mistakes and turnovers. They got to run the ball better still, but they got help on the way with uh, some guys that are about to get back from injury and back from suspension. And if they just keep improving and finding more and more confidence every week, then by the second half of this season, this is going to be a really dangerous football team, I think. So I I don't know if if I heard it from you or if Teddy had asked it to you or you asked it to Ted. But what's the what's the play that everyone remembers from this game? Is there one? Is it just the the overall general insanity of this? I mean, is there a play that resonates, you think, for years to come? Is it the Trey Brown pick? Is it the touchdown to Drake Stoops? What's the lasting image of OU Texas 2020? Hmm. It's a good question. I, I think there's a lot. But I think, you know, if you had to rank what is the one play – that we remember it's the final play you know it's the game clincher it's the trey brown pick in the end zone that sends the place into euphoria uh just because it was the last one um but there's a lot of candidates i mean stogner's catch was huge drake's catch was huge uh the woody washington pick was big the blocked field goal was massive yeah um you know uh and that's I haven't even gone back into regulation at all. All all of that happened in overtime. Right. Um, So it was a game of moments like that. But I think for me, probably the the highlight and the play that kind of lives on is is the Trey Brown pick, which he's got Sam Ellinger's number. You know, that's the second time he's made a massive play against Sam Ellinger in his career. Of course, the safety in the Big 12 championship game a couple of years ago and um, almost had two picks, probably should have had two picks on Saturday that I watched back that first one that got taken away from him. And that was pretty ticky tack, but he came up big when he needed to. Uh, And then finally, I'll let you go on this. What's the bye week plan for Toby Rowland? Is it rest? Are you diving into a little basketball? I know we've got. We're still going out to Rudy's tonight. We're going to do the radio roundtable tonight, so that's going to be fun. But what's your bye week plans? Um, I have a 
pumpkin painting party. Nice. With pepperoni pizza at Penny's house. Whoa. That's a lot of peace. Saturday night, my sister uh, Penny is hosting a pumpkin painting party for all the nieces and nephews. (laughs) Nice. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm going to watch some some football and hang out with my wife and daughter a whole lot. So, yeah, I'm going to be a – I'm going to be a homebody this weekend, and I'm going to love it. Hey, did you know? What about you? We've got, we're calling a volleyball game on Saturday. So we're doing a radio broadcast on Saturday. I think it's 4 o'clock for, for Oklahoma volleyball. Um, but, yeah, we, we've got a volleyball radio broadcast coming up this Saturday, Toby. So that's going to fill my void. And then some, I guess, maybe some family time in there. We're going to head to Tulsa for about 24 hours, check on my son, make sure he's doing good. So, yeah, we got a we got a busy family weekend, too. Let's go, man. And, by the way, speaking of – I mentioned other sports. You know, Lon Kruger's meeting with the media today. We're right around the corner from starting to juggle a few different sports, we hope, here, Toby. Yeah, I'm excited about this basketball team and this season. I mean, uh, the way they finished last year with, with Austin Reeves, amazing – uh, performance down at TCU um, and Brady Manick, I think poised to have a big year and an influx of, of talent, a couple of transfers that might be able to help him right away. This is, has a chance to be a dangerous team. So um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to basketball getting underway. I had a lot of fun watching that volleyball match against Baylor a couple of nights back when they took them to five sets, the number two team in the country. And uh, you know me, I'm a big volleyball dad now. So, uh, who who we got? Who we got this weekend? So this Saturday, and by the way, this is there. There's no opportunity, and I, I kind of feel like I need to put this as the unfortunate reminder. No chance to come watch them right now. But it's Kansas coming into the McCaslin Fieldhouse. Both games will be televised. The Friday night game is on Fox Sports Oklahoma. The Saturday afternoon game is on Dot TV. They're 0-4, but they've opened with the two best teams maybe in the country, and they pushed Baylor to five sets. So I'm real excited for Saturday afternoon. I can't wait to see Lindsey Gray Walton's team. And as a volleyball dad now, Toby, I worry about making sure I get all my technical terms correct and I get a call because you can call me out for this now. You know, you're you're on the inside of the volleyball world. I'm watching you like a hawk. I'm listening to you like a hawk, man. You better (laughs) – you better not mess up with the, with the libero. That's my daughter's a libero. No, so you make sure you give that libero plenty of props now out there. Always will be easiest one to find for me too because they're wearing a different shirt. All right, hey Toby, <laughs> have a great rest of your day. Enjoy bye week, and we'll talk to you back for the game plan live next Tuesday. I'll see you tonight on the uh, radio roundtable on the Lincoln Riley Show. Starting at 7 p.m., of course, get out to Rudy's. 6 o'clock with a huddle with Toby and Ted, and then Gabe joins us, and we'll all recap the matters from Saturday. Can't wait, Toby. See you, Plank. Great stuff from T. Rogan. So uh, tonight we will be out at Rudy's. Join us. And when I say out, Toby and Ted are out at Rudy's, socially distanced, still have great grub out there. Gabe and I are back in the studio and starting at 7 o'clock. We will be together like one big family yet again. By the way, uh, thank you to everyone who helped make our broadcast yet again. Number one for the most listened to on TuneIn. It's a big deal and means a lot to uh, everyone at Learfield IMG College. And obviously it means a lot to Toby, Teddy, Gabe, myself, Drake, uh, Blackwood, Stats, Michael Dean, you name it, it uh, Tom Shores. means a lot to us. So thank you so much again for making us number one. All right, uh, before we get out of here, Lincoln Riley 
had a short Zoom today with the media. This isn't a typical Tuesday press conference, but I I thought it'd be cool to have an opportunity to hear Lincoln to wrap up what has kind of typified our Tuesday press conferences, our Tuesday shows with the press conference right here on the game plan. Yeah, Lincoln, uh, Nick Benito uh, had several big plays on Saturday, including the the sack there in the third overtime. Just what have you, what kind of growth have you seen from him and, and just, how much room is there for, for him to keep growing? Yeah, he's definitely improved a lot. You know, I think, I think you know, Jamar has, has been really good for Nick. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I, a lot of things that, that Nick needed to improve on, you know, they've really attacked together. And, and uh, Nick's a really talented guy. I mean, he's still – he's made some big plays around here, but he's still just scratching the surface of how good he can really be. Um, the good thing the other day was – it felt like Nick had had some opportunities earlier in the year that he was there and then just didn't finish the play. Uh, had it certainly a couple chances against Iowa State. Uh, and, and we thought he finished so much better uh, the other day against Texas. Um, you know, got guys on the ground. Um, you know, I think he's become a, a more kind of multifaceted rusher. Um, you know, early in his career, it was just all speed, all speed, all speed. And he's added, added to that, which has made him tougher to block. And I also think he's, he's really grown and progressed both in just kind of strength, technique, understanding as far as defending the run game. So, you know, he's, he's much more well-rounded. Um, and But, you know, still, you know, so much room to go with his upside, which is exciting. Appreciate it, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Eric Bailey and then Joe Bettner. Hey, Lincoln, I think Saturday was the first time we saw you change quarterbacks for a non-injury. Um, while the team probably understands this, how much does that help everyone in terms of really understanding competition remains at all positions, and changes can be made at critical moments. And also, after watching film, what do you think of Tanner's game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, yeah, we hadn't been in that situation a ton, but it was just kind of made sense. It was kind of the right recipe. You know, we'd had a couple of bad plays in a row, and, and uh, you know, I thought it was the right thing to try to try to calm Spencer down. And Tanner had practiced well and has experience, and, and, and uh, I have a lot of confidence in him. So it made – it made a lot of sense at the time, um, and I, I do believe it was the right thing to do. Um, I thought Terry did a good job. That's not always the easiest situation to, to just go into, uh, just kind of uh, a little bit cold turkey, if you will, and just just goes you know goes straight in there. I thought he I thought he stabilized us, um, you know, and I thought really he made uh, you know he, he, the ball slipped out of his hands when he was scrambling to the left, or I think would have had a big play, and then he he uh, then didn't, didn't throw a good ball. We didn't have a very good route on the ball that Rambo ended up catching off off of a tip. And then other than that, um, I thought he played. I thought he played pretty well. Got us driving, um, you know. And had we not fumbled, it looked like we had a chance to to uh, you know go two for two there on those drives. Thanks, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Joe Bettner and then Jason Kersey. Lincoln, to kind of go off that, did you always intend to bring Spencer back in, or do you feel like if Tanner got you know the hot hand that he would have rode that game out? Yeah, I'd never make, you know, those decisions in the, you know, as far as kind of what I'm going to do down the line. I think, you know, just kind of looking at the situation as it was and it made the most sense to to put Tanner in. And then, you know, halftime I had a chance to to kind of reevaluate it and, uh, um, you know, felt like the right thing was to, to get Spencer back in there. I felt like he handled it well and, and was ready to go. And, and uh, so – but certainly not, you know, when I put Tanner in, I'm not thinking, well, I'm just going to put Tanner in for a series or, well, I'm going to put Tanner in the whole game. I mean, I'm just, I think, in the moment making the best decision you can and then you just take the new information you have and just continue to keep making the best decisions for the team. Thank you. 
Jason Kersey and Bob Prisbillo. Yeah, Lincoln, I know we asked you about this yesterday, but since the Big 12 has now acknowledged the clock error, I'm wondering if you had a chance to talk to Greg about that and if you got any explanation on how that happened. Because I think a lot of us on the outside are trying to figure out how they even came up with the number 636. It's just very confusing. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I, no, Greg gave me a heads up that they were going to put out that statement yesterday afternoon, which was a you know classy move by him. And Greg's been great. I mean, he's he's – He's fantastic to communicate with. You know, they're battling. Like nobody wants to hear it right now for players or officials, but our officials, there's a lot of challenges with COVID as well. They're having to mix, uh, mix crews, um, travel issues. I mean, there's just it's difficult for everybody, not just the not just the players and and the coaches and the fans. So, um, and, and Greg's been very transparent about that, and uh, and you know owns mistakes and and uh, you know holds his guys accountable and continues to push to get them better, just like we're trying to do with our team. So, uh, yeah, as far as how it happened, um, haven't got into to, into that with him yet. Uh, we normally visit here a little bit closer to the end of the week. So we'll talk through it. Um, you know, I, I don't have a great explanation right now, though. Bob Prisbillo and John Hoover. Lincoln, uh, Ryan brought up Nick. I want to bring up David Guaybu, someone who really uh, had a nice – performance Saturday. What's that transition been like for him moving inside of you about where you need him to be now? He's he's really progressed. You know, we we almost moved him to inside backer. We were going to before spring ball started. And then uh, uh, Benito got hurt in the spring. I mean, it wasn't anything serious, but he was going to have to miss some, you know, a decent amount of springs. So then we moved him back you know, to that rush spot. Um, and then just as the year kind of unfolded and as we talked more about it, um, you know, we thought those guys had two of, you know, had chances to be two of our better players. And we didn't really want them stacked up at the same position and, you know, young players that, that you think have some upside. And and obviously, you know, we, we felt like we needed some of the depth and, and, and experience that, that David had from playing in a year and, and some of that talent in the inside linebacker room. So, We've always thought he had a skill set that, that could potentially fit there. And he's done a good job handling it. You know, Coach Odom's done a, a really nice job bringing him along in a short time. You know, he reminds me – they're, they're different types of players, but there's a lot of similarities to him and Kenneth in that, you know, Kenneth's first year or two here, you could tell he, you could tell he was going to be really good at the position, but you could also tell that he hadn't played it. And, and was kind of learning on the fly. And I think there's been some of that with David, but David has really progressed nicely to the point where, you know, we're very confident with him being in the game, making plays. And I think a game like that will do nothing but, you know, boost his confidence. Hopefully he continues to progress and play well. John Hoover and then James Hill. Hey, Lincoln, um, you mentioned yesterday kind of taking baby steps um, and I guess Saturday as well. Winning a game like this is obviously – one of those big baby steps. But I'm wondering, in regards to the fourth quarter, um, you know, the leads that the other team overcomes, um, are you able to design segments of practice where you can actually work on being better in crunch time, um, like mental drills or something like that? Or is this just a case of, hey, guys, here are the plays I want you to run, now just execute them better? Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, that's uh, – no, you certainly – you know, design practice to put them in there. I mean, you know, most teams were not much different to, you know, loads of two-minute drill. Most, most teams, it's a little more difficult to do this in the season. It's a little bit more of a camp in spring, but you work, you know, four-minute offense and defense where, you know, you're trying to, you know, either run out the clock offensively, use as much as you can. Defense is obviously, you know, being a little bit more aggressive trying to get stops. And, uh, 
And I, like I said, I think for us it just comes down to to making plays. I mean, we we had we had a lot of opportunities defensively on those last couple of drives to to make plays, um, and and we didn't do it. We had obviously a couple of chances offensively, especially the two third down plays on the last two drives that we just. You know, we botched that that should have both been not just first downs, but big plays. And uh, so you got to make those plays then. And uh, but I do think we'll take a lot of confidence from how we played in the overtime periods because we played some of our best, some of our best ball on both sides, you know, during those overtimes. So um, something we got to grow with. Um, You know, we've been in those situations. Uh, We certainly got to do better. Lincoln, over the last two years against Texas, uh, you've been able to pass rush it really well. You had nine two years ago, six this year. Against other teams, it's been a little bit hit and miss. What do you think about your pass rush right now? And why so much success against Texas? Yeah, I mean, I think our pass rush the majority of the year has been, been pretty decent. I mean, you know, Iowa State got the ball out pretty quick. I mean, I don't like I said, I don't know that Brock against us threw the ball more than – 15, 20 yards down the field, maybe once or twice. I mean, they just got the ball up quick, and we didn't do a good enough job getting them on the ground. Uh, you know, Texas, I thought we I thought we covered pretty well, you know, which, you know, caused Sam to have to hang on to the ball, and our guys were active and, and played well. And so, uh, you know, pressure and all that is, is kind of twofold. I mean, it's uh, you, you got to cover well enough to, to give those guys time to get there, and then when you do, they got to get there. So you got you to play in sync, and uh, we, we certainly played more in sync for the majority of this game. Mm-hmm. Dean Blevins and then Brandon Drum. Yeah, Lincoln, wondering about <clears throat> wide receiver because at times it looks like all these recruits come in and you just got a bevy of guys out there, and then all of a sudden you get down to a game like Texas and Drake is out there the, the entire game. But what's the picture, uh, short and long term, here for the wide receiver position? Yeah, it's been an interesting position this year. You know, we've had through these first three games where we've had just so many guys out. Um, and it's been, a, I mean, the the people that have been available, I mean, we've had several that haven't been available for any of the games, but then we've, you know, we've also had throughout these games, you know, a guy available for one or two of them and not the others. And it's just, it's been, you know, other than the, other than the, really the Z position, it's been a little bit of musical chairs, honestly. And uh, so we've had to kind of make it work with what we've had and, and, uh, no, I mean, yeah, you're, you know, it's kind of two things. You're excited about some of the guys that are that are stepping up, like like Drake has, and and I think you know the East obviously took some steps. Marvin's came in and done a really nice job this year. So there's some, you know, there's some guys that have stepped up and take advantage of those opportunities. And then obviously, you know, whenever the time is, we'll be excited to get back, you know, several of those those missing pieces that that aren't available for us right now because it's certainly, you know, it's it's a it's a good group, we're, we're, but we're certainly not at full strength right now by any by any stretch. Brendan Drum and then Kerry Murdoch. Yeah, Lincoln, I know you don't have a crystal ball or anything like that, but every quarterback seems to have had that you've had has had some sort of game where they've had that moment of where everybody seems to rally around them for the rest of the season to propel you all the rest of the year. Um, Kyler with Texas, even though that loss, just the way he made that comeback in 2018. The K-State, even though it was a loss with Jalen, the comeback, the playing, the, the, the players only meeting, all that stuff. Can you sense that coming along with Spencer and uh, the team just rallying around him, especially with how he played during that final period and in, in, in the four overtimes? I think it's a fair point. I mean, I think, you know, 
teams want to believe in, in their guy. And I think we're fortunate to have a couple of guys that our team believes in. Um, but I think, you know, doing it in, in crunch time against against your rival is, is uh, you know, a good way for it to happen. And, uh, you know, it just took some took some guts and some real competitiveness for, for those guys to play the way they did in those situations, you know, for Tanner to come in and stabilize us, for Spencer to come back after after having a couple of big mistakes and, and play the way he did, especially in, in the third quarter and overtime. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a learning moment for those guys. It's a, I think, I think our team believes in the kind of players that we have there and, and, you know, winning one like that in the fashion that we did certainly does not hurt. Murdoch and Keegan Renault. I actually thought the, the better comparison might be, you know, Baker at Tennessee. Yeah. And, you know, that game, uh, he struggled all along and then late in the fourth, uh, go to overtime. What, I mean, what did you see from Baker and the team to that point that maybe Spencer has to do to kind of galvanize people in, in, in his team behind him? Yeah, I mean that year had some, you know, some different types of adversity, and that you know year one and people trying to learn stuff and all that, and and uh, you know this year is a little bit different. I mean, it's you know we're we're playing again with just a lot of a lot of young guys and all the other challenges. So for for a first year quarterback, there's some unique challenges here that first year quarterbacks have never had ever at any school, and uh, so yeah, I mean that's but it's all part of all part of, of the growth process and you've got to continue to push through whatever's in front of you. You got to continue to get better, stay confident in yourself and, and make the plays that you're capable of making. And so, uh, you know, I think to, to be able to continue to improve and again, execute, especially like we did there in the second half, um, I think, you know, we'll give those guys a lot of confidence um, and a belief that we can handle anything that's thrown our way in this crazy year. Thanks, Mike. Mm-hmm. Keegan Renault and then Myron Patton. Yeah, Lincoln, you, you said Ronnie traveled, Perkins traveled to Ames for moral support. And I know he wasn't there on Saturday. Is there any reasoning for that? And, and then as well, Chris Murray, has, his, has, has he got his eligibility and is he able to play three guys? And what kind of impact can he have? Uh, Ronnie Perkins' deal, I'll, uh, if I ever happen to write a book, I'll, I'll have a whole chapter dedicated to that one. Um, Chris Murray, uh, we found out on Friday won his appeal, so he is about he is eligible. Um, and uh, you know, based on the length of time, it, I mean, it comes at a good time. You got a bye week chance to get him to, you know, get him up to speed. But he's certainly a guy that, based on what we've seen, uh, I believe will have a chance to contribute for us this year. Sure, thanks, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Myron Patton. Lincoln, uh, could you comment on Isaac Thomas? Looks like a, I know. Baylor game, the Big 12 championship. Yeah, Isaiah's done a great job. You know, probably the most improved football player on our on our entire team. I'm so proud of that kid. You know, he's played inside for us. He's played outside. He, he's just been tremendous. Uh, he has really improved. I think he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. Um, just and it's been huge. I mean, we've needed 
we have absolutely needed that guy to step up with some of our losses, and he has done it in a big way, and it's been huge for our football team and for our defense. Uh, yeah, the DBs, you know, obviously played a, a few more guys. I thought that was helpful, kept some of those guys fresh, um, had a great week of work. Yeah, and I, I think it's a combination. I mean, I think we covered well, stayed in good position the majority of the game, um, and then certainly when you get a pass rush and that ball is having to get up there a little bit quicker, it, it always helps. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.